Now it is a great pleasure and privilege for me to introduce our guest speaker and our guest musical artist. Dr. Stephanie Dykes is an out and proud trans woman living in Seattle, Washington, where she works as the executive director of institutional effectiveness at North Seattle College. Dr. Dykes has over 30 years work experience in education and business. She earned her PhD in educational research and measurement and her Master of Arts in teaching from the University of South Carolina. She completed her undergraduate work in history and business administration from Clemson University. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Yeah. Dr. Dykes has spoken at numerous conferences in the United States and Canada on the topics of gender and women's studies as well as institutional research. She has spoken at colleges and universities across the United States about her experience as a transgender woman. Dr. Dykes is the father of a 29-year-old son, and she sings bass with the Seattle Men's Chorus. Dr. Dykes is also a featured soloist at Holy Spirit Lutheran Church in Kirkland, Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, actually, that was a binary thing to say. Congregation, Dr. Stephanie M. Dykes. So um, I first want to express some thanks. So I want to thank Eric Lane Barnes for inviting me here. And um, I first got to work with Eric um, when I sang with Puget Soundworks for about a year during the pandemic. But the first time I became aware that a human being named Eric Lane Barnes exists was um, back in 2008 when I was singing with the uh, Gay Men's Chorus of Charlotte, North Carolina. And we were doing some sheet music, and the name of the writer, composer, and just wonderful person was Eric Lane Barnes. And the name of the song was Hail to the Green and the Gray, which is kind of about, and I'm probably going to do this a disservice, Eric, it's about this sort of divide in a lot of communities between the young and the old. And another piece we did of Eric's was really funny, and the, the title is not I'm Becoming My Mother, but that was like the, the, the theme in it. So um, I'm, I'm so fortunate to you know, finally have, have had a chance to work with you in person. Um, I want to thank the folks behind the scenes who make this all happen, uh, whether they're working the technical side or finding the wonderful books to read. Um, I want to thank Reverend Steve for giving up the pulpit today because um, I'm not a theologian or a pastor, but I hear it's kind of hard to separate pastors from their from the pulpit. So I, I do appreciate that. <clears throat> and um, above all, I want to thank all of you all for making a welcoming place because I know that there are many houses of worship in this country and in this world who would not allow me even to set forth in the building. So um, that's, I think, a testament to you all. And um, I'm sure when you all made the decision to become like a welcoming congregation, you all just knew that one day you'd have this transgender baritone from South Carolina just standing right here. I'm, I just, I'm sure you all knew that. And um, um, I'm told I've got a southern accent. Do you all hear it? Show of hands. If you, a little bit. Okay. So, um, you know, the first time I became aware of having a southern accent was when I moved to the Chicago area in 2009. And when I was told I had a southern accent, I was horrified because, you know, there is this stereotype that has some truth to it that the thicker your accent, the dumber you are. 
And I must say there is a lot of truth to that. Um, I was advised by my, by my performance coach to not talk politics, but I want to do just this one thing. Actually, my, my biggest fear of being detected with a Southern accent was, you know, people might think I was a Republican. Because, you know, you're born trans, but you have to choose to be a Republican. So it was kind of that. Um, <clears throat> so before I get too far into this, I want you all to know that... Um, I try to, you know, use humor with sort of serious topics. And I also try to, you know, include the congregation or the audience because that's my way of knowing y'all are following along and, and all that. Um, so just kind of be aware. I'll, I'll be asking for shows of hands and, and that kind of thing. So, um, um, you know, we were talking about gendered words. So, um there's a lot of really bad stuff in the South, or as I like to call it, the states of the former Confederacy. And uh, But there is one gift that the South has given to the English language, and that is the word y'all. But there's, but there's actually like a way to conjugate y'all. So I'm going to speak it, then we're going to practice it one time. Um, so like I say, y'all is a plural, non-gendered you. So it's kind of like ustedes for those of you who study Spanish. So if you're talking to one person, that's just you. If you're talking to, to two people, that's y'all. And if you're talking to a bunch of folks, that's all y'all. And um, I've got a friend here in uh, Seattle who's a native Michigander. And she's always referring to me as y'all, and I'm thinking, you know, my, my brain does this like disconnect because it's like, no, that's plural. So, uh, so if if if, if y'all ever refer to one person as y'all, we'll have to send you to like some remedial y'all school or something. So, uh, repeat after me: you, y'all, all y'all. All right, we're on our way. So I like to start my talks off by issuing a trigger warning because we do talk about some serious stuff here. So I'm going to read through this list of things that may or may not be addressed during this sermon time because um, they might be triggering. And then I'll do the you know inner in my head count to ten in case anybody really does need to you know to leave. So we might cover anatomy, politics, religion, family issues, genitalia, hormones, medical terms, anti-transgender violence, transphobia, state-sponsored terrorism, emotions, sexual orientation, gender dysphoria, aging, parenting, surgery, race, intersectionality, white privilege, and divorce. So... Okay, no takers. So boldly we go. Divorce. Okay. And if y'all don't know it, you, you are so incredibly fortunate to have Eric as your music director, so. So, um, this coming Thursday is transgender. Uh, actually, it's the 12th annual International Transgender Day of Visibility. 
And um, does anybody recognize what this is? Show of hands if you recognize what that's. Okay, so, uh, and I like to, well, I'm the only one with a mic, so I'll say what it is. It's the transgender flag. So, um, so if you didn't know, now you know. Um, Transgender Day of Visibility uh, is described at the GLSEN website as a day dedicated to celebrating the accomplishments of transgender and gender nonconforming people while raising awareness of the work that still needs to be done to achieve trans justice. Can I get an amen? All right. Um, and I think it also serves as a good counterpoint to something called Transgender Day of Remembrance. So how many of y'all have heard of Transgender Day of Remembrance? Show of hands. So it's the day when we honor those transgender people who have been murdered since the previous Transgender Day of Remembrance because of anti-transgender violence. And what you see in the faces of the people who get murdered is a lot of intersectionality because it's primarily trans women of color. And that's where you have this intersectionality of being a, a sexual minority with race and poverty and all those other horrible things. Okay, um, I always like to do some basic terms, but I think y'all are probably like a with it kind of crowd. So can we go, yeah, I'm with it. So I'm with it. <clears throat> so just really quick, gender, you know, internal sense of self as male, female, or neither, or both. Um, there's transgender and cisgender. <clears throat> and I must say, um, I'm so glad the word cisgender came into being. Um, I first read it in a book called Whipping Girl. Uh, by Julia Serrano, who's a trans woman. And that's the first time I ever saw cisgender uh, in print. And basically it has the meaning of the opposite of transgender. Um, and before that word came along, the way I would refer to non-transgender women is, well, those are the real women. And I'm a trans woman. So, you know, internal transphobia maybe, but, you know, sometimes you just don't have the words, but I'm so glad there's that word, cisgender. Okay, transgender is an umbrella term, meaning there's lots of identities under the umbrella. And an example I thought of of what's an umbrella term is ice, is ice cream. So anybody in here like ice cream? Who likes ice cream? Okay, shout out some flavors you like of ice cream and say it loud enough to be heard in the room. Maybe I, say, maybe I should say show of hands. <laughs> so show of hands if you want to name your flavor. Uh, anybody else? Uh, lady in the back with the light and blonde hair and share in the purple top. What? Marion Berry? That's what I was thinking, yeah. So, um, so any other flavors of ice cream? Yes, yes. Strawberry, yes. Malted nose? Malted moo. I gotta tell you, these masks really muffle sound. They really do. Yes, send the way back. Shout it out. Cherry 
Cherry Garcia. Uh, yes. Crocatino. That's a gelato. Okay. Um, just one or two more, because I don't want to. Yes. Pistachio. Uh, anybody else? Uh, yes. Mudslide. Thank you. So my favorite. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The curls get in the way of the, of the eyes in the back of my head, so that's just what it was about. So, so you said vanilla Repstein. What was your favorite flavor? Vanilla. Vanilla. Okay. So, do we all agree that all of these flavors are ice cream? Because they have certain things in common, but are they all different enough to be labeled as different? So that's like an umbrella term. But you know, don't stand under an umbrella made of ice cream. It might get kind of drippy. Um, I'm often asked, how many trans people are there in the United States? And the best estimate was done by the Williams Institute of the UCLA School of Law. And they did this using some really, really elegant statistics that are beyond me. But they came up with an estimate that six-tenths of 1% of U.S. adults identify as transgender. Uh, and that equates to about 1.4 million people, which means if we all moved to, say, Wyoming or Alaska or New Hampshire, we could run the state. But... Uh, uh, that's not the way it is. And, and again, out of those 1.4 million, uh, not all of them transition and live their life full time in their authentic self-gender. Okay, then there's sex, which is about anatomy and chromosomes, and then, there, then there's sexual orientation, which is about whom you're attracted to, including no one. I hope you all are okay with me sticking my tongue out at you from time to time. So I want to address, I want to point your attention to the pithy quote at the top of the order of service. And um, yeah, go ahead and get it out so you can follow along. And if you want to you know, follow along with a, a pen or pencil so you can write, that's, that's, that's kind of cool too. So um, I'm going to read it once and let it kind of sink in, then I'll read it again. So this is another Laverne Cox quote. It is revolutionary for any trans person to choose to be seen and visible in a world that tells us we should not exist. Again, it is revolutionary for any trans person to choose to be seen and visible in a world that tells us we should not exist. Um, did anybody here wake up this morning and say, gee, I want to do something revolutionary? Anybody? Well, I, yeah, I didn't either. You know, I just want to live my life. But, um, you know, Laverne is right. Um, and if you've been following the news lately, there's this almost unending series of, of laws being fomented in many, many states uh, that basically make us second-class citizens. Um, you know, I never thought I would do anything revolutionary, but I guess I kind of am because I'm being kind of visible here. Um, I want to say a little bit more about me so that you can kind of get an understanding of where I'm coming from. And then 
I want to close with how you can be a trans ally. So that's kind of how the flow is going to go. So um, I used to think my calling was to be a Lutheran pastor, but, um, you know, there's that whole working on weekends thing. So uh, I've come to believe that my calling is to be an out trans woman. And by being out, that means I get to advocate for trans people. And most places I go, I'm the only trans person there, or I'm the first trans person they've ever met. And I always say that you know of, because you know we, we really don't know what's underneath anybody's clothes unless they tell us. And if somebody has transitioned to a point where they just pass seamlessly, then you would never know. And let me get back up here without tripping and falling. So you might be wondering, you know, is Dykes really my last name? And yes, it is. And I really am. So it's like a dual purpose thing. You know, it's, it's my last name and it's saying my sexual orientation. Um, my late father was from a foreign country you may have heard of, um, Alabama. So um, back in 2009, I had a chance to go to the old family graveyard in Alabama, and I saw all of these, you know, gravestones and markers. There were even some markers that said unknown, so there were like unknown dikes buried right there. But as a result of that trip, I can say for a fact there have been dikes in Alabama since at least 1830. Okay, thank you, thank you. So those of you who can do a rim shot, please, I need your help badly. So um, I'm an Air Force brat. Any military brats in here? Any ex-military people in here? Thank you for your service. Uh, so my earliest waking memories are of waking up in Japan and, you know, knowing I was different because, you know, we're, we're on, a, on an American military installation. So, you know, we're Americans and all that. So um, I also like to ask folks, what do you think my favorite toy was as a boy? And we'll do this show of hands thing so I can call on you. And then when, when I call on you, just shout it out. So what was Stephanie's favorite toy as a little boy? Yes? Barbie. Okay, Barbie's an answer. Anybody else? I was going to just say doll. Dolls, okay. Anybody else want to make a guess? Yes. Airplanes. Airplanes. Yes. Legos. Legos. Yes. Creepy crawlers. Creepy crawlers. Any thoughts on my favorite toy? A gun, okay. So we have lots of possible choices. So actually my favorite toy was my plastic M16. Yeah, yeah, and um, my favorite game was called Army, which was kind of odd because we were an Air Force family, but, um, and the way you play Army is your side of the street is an army, and all the kids on the other side of the street are also an army. And you attack each other with your plastic guns and your plastic M16s, and you play dead when you're shot and all that. 
And yes, I made model airplanes. Um, I don't think we had Legos back then, but, but we had Lincoln Logs. Anybody remember Lincoln Logs? So yeah, oh, lots of Lincoln Logs. Yeah, so I really enjoyed my Lincoln Logs. Um, and I would ask for toy soldiers for Christmas. And, you know, back then you only had like four TV channels, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, and maybe public television. And for some reason, Godzilla was like the, like, constantly shown movie. So I would array all of my soldiers in front of the TV screen and make them shoot at uh, Godzilla whenever Godzilla was on the screen because, you know, we've got to do our part to save Tokyo from Godzilla. Um, so uh, in, in that in that book that was shown there, and wasn't that a delightful book, you know, My, my Shadow's Pink? Uh, so that's a case of somebody who was aware of being different um, very, 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 very young. So my age of first awareness of being different, because, you know, I don't think the word transgender had been uh, brought into use then, but uh, I was not quite 11 years old uh, when I first knew I was different. And I was kind of struck by a surprise because, you know, my favorite toy was a plastic M16, and we played Army, and I played with frogs and ran in the woods and all that. But for some reason, I'd go to bed at night and pray to God that I'd wake up in the morning and be a girl. So, you know, there's a, that old trope that a trans person is a woman trapped in a man's body. Mine actually should have been something more like I was a lesbian in a man's body. That didn't fly. Rimshot, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, and uh, later that year, I discovered something called Playboy magazine. Anybody heard of that? And that was so confusing because it was like, how can I want to be one if I want to be with one? And of course, the answer was staring me in the face every time I wrote my last name. But I kind of made the best conclusion I could. You know, I'm born in this male body. I'm attracted to the, the opposite sex, whatever that is. So I must be like this slightly bent straight guy. So moving along, I should have pre-bent all of the corners of this. I'll, I'll know that for the next time I do one of these things. So, Oh, they are. Pre-licked paper. Oh, wow. So um, in high school, I discovered that I could sing. So uh, thank you, Bobby and Lionel, wherever y'all are. These are the two friends who got me to audition. Uh, you've heard about my education, so um, I'm one of those oxymorons, you know, a southern intellectual. Rimshot, please. This is just not flying here. Maybe I should, y'all seem like a really serious kind of crowd, but uh, yeah, southern intellectual means you've learned the alphabet and the numbers to a hundred. That's a southern intellectual. So, um, one of the biggest events in my life happened in 1993. That's when my son was born. And um, to say the least, he's had a tough time with his dad transitioning. So uh, since 2006, I've seen my son in person twice. Twice. Um, most recently in 2019, you know, pre-pandemic. 
And as you might imagine, that hurts like hell. Uh, any of y'all parents here? So, um, um, yeah, and his most uh, recent communication with me was uh, a text message, I think in January or maybe February. And, you know, the fact that he texted at all was like, oh, that's like a minor miracle in itself. And then in this text, he said, I'm now in therapy, which is good. But, of course, I'm worrying because he lives in North Carolina. So it's like, what kind of therapy is he getting in North Carolina? So my only hope is because he's a Lutheran and part of the liberal strain of American Lutheranism, maybe he's getting some science in there, too. But um, the real kicker in that text is he said, because I'm in therapy, I need you not to contact me by any means or my girlfriend by any means until I say I'm ready for you to do that. And I'm, I'm hoping that he didn't mean that to sound and feel as hard as it did, but... Uh, yeah, it was so hard to read that, and uh, it was even harder coming up with the response. Because, um, you know, you never stop being a parent, no matter how old your kids get. So when I texted him back, I said, um, first of all, more than anything, I want you to be happy. And I will certainly honor your request not to contact you or your girlfriend. You know, I used her name. And um, I didn't say love dad, but I said something love-ish. Uh, I, I think I said something like wishing you every happiness, dad. So, And I'm okay with him calling me dad because I was a history major, so I'm all about that historical accuracy thing. But... Um, you know, here's where I'm probably going to go a little Lutheran on y'all. So um, I've got this mantra now when I think of my son. And if you're a parent, I'm guessing you think of your children several times a day. Would that be correct? Show of hands. So um, I'll say, see you in paradise. Um, and... This is the point in talks a lot where some well-meaning person wants to say something like, I'm sure he'll come around. He's still so young. But that's really not helpful. And I'm guessing many of you can figure out why, but um, it kind of implies, well, first it diminishes this like decades-long pain, right? And then it's sort of, is saying, I know your son better than you do, even though I've never met your son. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard being trans, and anybody who thinks trans people choose to be trans, uh, I just have to call BS on that. Um, something else I remind myself of when I think of, when I think of my son is, I think of the state motto of my dippy little state, South Carolina. Anybody in here been to South Carolina? Okay. Um, yeah, it's a nice place, but I'm glad I don't live there anymore. 
But the state motto of South Carolina is Dum Spiro Spero, which means in Latin, while I breathe, I hope. How they came up with that, I'll never know. But Dum Spiro Spero. So to that question of, you know, will I see my son again, you know, in this life? Doom Spiro Sparrow, you know, while I breathe, I hope. Now to pivot a little bit, um, one thing I knew I, I did not want to be as a woman was a woman with a beard. So I started electrolysis back in 2005, living in North Carolina, and it went on for years. So uh, has anybody in here had, a, had an electrolysis session? Okay, so here's the better thing. How many of you all have been stung by a bee? Show of hands? Oh, a lot of folks. So electrolysis is like this. You let that beehive sting you in the face between 100 and 200 times over the course of an hour, and then you write a check for $100 to the hive, and then you repeat the process 200 to 300 times. So that's electrolysis, but there's more. So, um, so I, th this past summer I had vaginoplasty. So the, all the people said, "Congratulations, Stephanie! It's a big deal." So you have to like prepare down there. So they have to like imagine getting electrolysis down there, because you know no one ever went to the Lady Bits store and said, "Gee, I want that one there with a the hair growing out of it." That didn't go over well either, Eric. So, so anyway, um, trying to move a bit forward. Uh, 2006 separation, 2007 divorce. Uh, 2008, I went full time. That's that's one of those in phrases of our community. You know, I went full time. Um, that was also when I changed my name legally. So, um, yeah. So my forever name is Stephanie. Um, it's my legal name, it's on all of my documents. But I was laid off from a bank called Wachovia in the fall of 2008. So does anybody remember the financial crisis of 2008? You know, that little hiccup in your portfolio? So that led me to leave the South, and I first lived in Metro Chicago from like 2009 to 2015. Uh, while in Chicagoland, I got my first driver's license with an F on it. That's a huge deal. And the way I got it was Obama had changed the rules for getting an F on your passport. Like it used to be you had to like provide documentation of surgery before you get the sex change. So in my mind, there, there must have been like this, this mythical federal agency called the FBVI, where you'd go to and get things checked. And of course, FBVI stands for Federal Bureau of Vagina Inspection. But uh, it's even, so with Obama, all you had to do was provide a letter from your doctor saying you're being treated for what was then called gender identity disorder, which is a horrible, now it's just gender dysphoria, so I guess we got a promotion. Um, so let's see. In 2018, I got something called facial feminization surgery, or FFS. 
So let me first say, this is the nose I was born with. So I, it's like I won the lottery with upturned little European-looking noses. These are my real cheekbones. So I won the lottery on that. But I had some things done because there are some very real uh, physiological differences between a female, uh, the, the, the craniofacial characteristics of somebody who goes through female puberty versus male puberty. So here's time for some audience participation. So if you would, please take your, your pointer fingers and put them like the middle of your forehead and bring them down to your eyebrows and then around your eyebrows. And if you felt a bony ridge in that process, you went through male puberty. Okay, the other thing is, because that's what happens. You know, there's that expression, low brow, so I, I guess that's kind of where that comes from. Now take your pointer finger like you've got this gun, but it's not a real gun. It's just, so, so now go like this and bring your fingers together at the point. And if your chin has a more rounded shape, that means you most likely went through female puberty. So um, I'd also want, I also want you all to give yourselves a round of applause because you all just successfully passed the new Washington State Highway Patrol field sobriety test. So here's applause for all y'all. So um, yeah, I, I got off fairly easy. Um, so now keep in mind, I'm telling y'all about these surgeries. So I'm, I'm doing that voluntarily as like an education tool. It's a definite no-no to ask a trans person, well, tell me about your surgery. So you, you got a vagina yet? You know, you, you don't want to do that. That's like a total faux pas. Okay, so I'll just finish up by saying I will send your church examples of ways you can be a trans ally. So anyway, I could talk forever. So, But thank you all so much.